When Abraham was 75 years old, he was called by God to leave his homeland, his relatives, and go to a place he'd never been before. God would lead him to a land of promise, and he would give that land to his seed after him, his descendants after him. He would make a great nation from them, and through them he would bless all the nations of the world with the coming Savior, coming Messiah. When Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, uh, his father uh, left with them, uh, his nephew left, uh, his brother had died, and when his father died not long after leaving Ur, well, Lot, the nephew, was still with Abraham, and and he was of adult age, and uh, he was getting wealthy like Abraham was. He had lots of flocks and herds. So in Genesis chapter 13, we have the event where Lot's herdsmen argue with Abraham's herdsmen. And Abraham said, let's, let's not argue, we're brethren. And this is the statement he said to Lot in Genesis 13, 10 through 12. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere uh, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Abraham, being the generous man that he was, gave Lot the choice of which way to go. He said, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. We don't have to fight, and we'll see each other occasionally, and and Lot was greedy. He looked up at the watered plains of Jordan. And this was before Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed. But you can imagine that uh, they couldn't have been a very nice place because it, that didn't happen to them overnight. So Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and he went there. Two things stand out as I read this. They separated themselves the one from the other. There was a division there. They separated themselves. Now, that was not a good thing for Lot to be away from Abraham, but that was what he chose. And then uh, verse 12, Abraham or Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the plain. And then the final comment, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. He didn't start out in Sodom. <clears throat> he started out in the plain. He had all of his herds and his animals, and he didn't live in the city of Sodom. He started out in the plain. The examples of men and women as recorded in the Bible can provide us with many valuable lessons. When we look at Abraham, and everybody generally knows his name pretty well, we can learn the value of having faith in God. Because more than once in Abraham's life, great events happened because he had faith in God. And he was considered to be the friend of God. And uh, even when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, as the Father and the Son, the Spirit, were discussing the situation, they said, can we possibly hide what we're about to do from Abraham? You know, they felt compelled to, to let Abraham in on it. Abraham was referred to as 
being the father of the faithful. And we're told that Abraham believed God and his faith was counted as righteousness. We can learn lessons from him. We can learn from Joseph as we see the workings of God's providential care. God's providence is when things are not going well, but things work out. And they work out because God provided. And in this instance, it was that God provided for the time of famine, but the providing, the planning, had to start years before the famine actually took place. But God provided. From Job, we learn the importance of patience and faith under trial. Patience may be a thing that most of us have to work on. Although I've seen some people in life that were very, very patient-looking people. But I think it's something that I know I have to work on it, and probably many of us have to work on it. But we can learn from Job. We can read and reread the story of his life and realize that it was not easy for him to be patient. As we think about Lot in this lesson specifically, from Lot, the nephew of Abraham, we can also glean a valuable lesson in the art of decision-making and the importance of making proper choices. You know, we have to make decisions every day. And in the process of making decisions, we need to make proper choices. And that just does not just apply to people of, of younger years. It applies to all of us. We should not make impulse decisions. We should think things through. We should look ahead and make sure we're not making a mistake. Make sure there's nothing wrong with what we're being offered. We're going to take a look at uh, an introductory look at the life of Lot, and then we'll focus on the decision he made and how it affected his life. First thing we're going to look at is uh, regarding Lot's choice. In the book of Genesis, Lot is introduced to us as the nephew of Abra Abram or Abraham who sojourned with him. And of course, we understand the, the concept of a sojourner. They didn't own a place. They didn't own a home by the lake or somewhere. They sojourned. They wandered around with their sheep to wherever the feeding places were. And sojourners were a part of society. They were expected. There were towns that had people of trades. And they treated, generally treated the sojourners right because they were able to get uh, food from them. Uh, they could buy animals uh, for food. And the sojourner was able to get supplies from the towns. But we're told that, uh, that Lot sojourned, or uh, Abram sojourned with Lot. Genesis 12:5. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. In Genesis 13:1, Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the south. So even when Abram went to Egypt because of famine, Lot went with him, and then they came back together. Abram was a man uh, who was probably very wealthy, and Lot, like his uncle, was probably very wealthy. Genesis 13, 2 through 5, Lot had probably inherited his own father's things and Abram had helped him manage them. Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel under the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first 
And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went up with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Lot may not have been as old as Abram, but he had a lot of things, a lot of material things. <clears throat> because of the combined wealth of Abram and Lot, they were forced to separate. Genesis thirteen six through 9 we're told the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou, thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Given the opportunity to choose where he could go, Lot made a choice, which on the surface was a good one. You know, the business world would say, you made a good business choice. The, the land is well watered and there will be a market for your, for your cattle. Genesis 10, Genesis 13, 10 through 12. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But as good as it may have seemed, it resulted in much sorrow and hardship for Lot. As a result of his choice, Lot would suffer, and he would suffer greatly and suffer much loss. He suffered uh, being in the middle of a war. In Genesis 14:11. <clears throat> the, the marauders came through and they took goods from Sodom and Gomorrah. Not only did they take goods, but they took people. They took, they took slaves, captives. And they went their way. And then in Genesis 14 and verse 12, uh, they took Lot. He was kidnapped. They took Lot, Abram's brother, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and they departed. And we learn in the New Testament that there was oppression and torment toward Lot by the citizens of Sodom. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, Peter says, And delivered just Lot, vexed, with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And the scriptures speaking unlawful, they're talking about unlawful deeds in the presence of God because the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah tolerated those evil abominations that were taking place. And Lot was oppressed and Lot was tormented because he was trying to be a godly man and raise his family to be godly. Well, as the story would unfold after Lot has separated from Abram, later things are going to move quickly. And in Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 through 11, we're told that there came two angels to Sodom at even. This is after they had visited Abram's tent uh, with another angel. They came to uh, Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night. Wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go your ways. And they said, Nay, 
But we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast. And he did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and they said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out to you, and do not do ye to them as is good in your eyes, only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The angels began to tell Lot what was going to happen, and he instructed him to gather up any family that he had so that they might leave. And it appeared that they had more than two daughters, but when they left town, it was Lot and his wife and the two daughters, and he lost everything. He lost his material wealth, uh, all of it. Genesis chapter 19, verse 15 and 16, and verses 24-25, we're told that when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of the two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities, and all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew upon the ground. God had had enough, just like in the days of Noah, God had had enough, and so he destroyed everything with a flood. And now, as regards to these two towns, he'd had enough, and he destroyed them with fire and brimstone. Also, Lot lost his wife. She passed away. She died uh, during this, this uh, time of fleeing. In Genesis 19, verse 17 and 26, we're told it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. But his wife looked back from behind him. She became a pillar of salt. After his wife died, he chose not to go into the little town, but he wanted to escape to the mountain. He was fearful of the whole place. And when they got to the mountain, it was him and his two daughters. And now we have shame and incest that takes place. Genesis 19, 30 to 36. Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old. There is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. We will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose 
And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also. Go thou in and lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. They made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And you can only imagine where these two girls got that concept, that idea, after living in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and being around all of this kind of uh, perversion and filth that they would reach that, that point in the mountain there in the cave. We're told that all these things happened despite the fact that Lot himself was a righteous man. Second Peter 2, 7 and 8. <clears throat> we read previously, The Lord delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversations of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. When we look at the example of Lot and think about his life, it should impress us with the importance of making the proper choices in our lives. In view of what happened to Lot, we should consider some things. Number one, <clears throat> some of the choices we make greatly affect our lives. Number two, some suggestions on how to make the right decisions. And number three, what to do when we realize that we have made the wrong ones. So think about this. When we come to our choices, what choices do we make that greatly affect our lives? The one that will affect your life more than any other. The greatest choice that you'll ever make is the choice to follow Jesus. It will determine your place in eternity. It will have a bearing on every other choice you make. For as a follower of Christ, you will be concerned with doing His will and not your own. A second important choice, not as, not as important as choosing to follow Christ, but a second important choice would be that of choosing a career. The choice you make can have a lasting effect upon your marriage, your family, and your service to God. Even from a worldly viewpoint, your choice is important, for the job market can change drastically. And then, of course, when you look at jobs, we, we use the term uh, user-friendly when we talk about technology, we talk about computers. Well, you want a job that's family-friendly. You want a job that allows you to be home and spend time with your family. And no matter how much it pays, it's not worth it to never be there with your family in, in the process of choosing your career, choosing your, your job. Third important choice would be that of choosing your mate. Who, who are you going to marry and spend your lifetime with? The decision made will, will, uh, will to a great extent determine your degree of happiness in life. It will have a permanent bearing on your children and their emotional well-being. You may think you can simply divorce a person who turns out to be a bad choice. It's not that simple. And uh, the Word of God only allows one, one reason for uh, divorce, and that's uh, the, the part of uh, uh, fornication on the, on the part of one of the couples in the marriage. But once you have children, there's no way to reverse that fact. The choice you made as to who is the mother or the father of your children, you can't reverse that later either. Another big choice in our lives is choosing our friends. Having close friends can be a wonderful thing. The wise man in Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 said, A friend loveth at all times, 
and a brother is born uh, uh, for adversity. But the wrong friends can be a curse for the righteous. Proverbs 12:26. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. Righteous lives by a higher standard many times than those in the neighborhood. But wicked people, misery loves company. Misery people, uh, wicked people will attempt to bring you into the things that they do. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, uh, a verse that I think people attempt to quote and, then, and it gets misquoted, although there may be a, a statement made in history that goes the other way. People tend to say evil companionship could corrupt good morals. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Be wise in who you spend your time with because you can be uh, wearied down, worked down, drawn down. Choosing where you will live is another important thing in life. It was in this choice that Lot, Lot made his mistake. He didn't look over the place he wanted to go live. He only looked at the fact it was well watered and it had a place to feed the animals. Not a very good reason to choose a place to live. It might be just there uh, that some modern uh, Sodom or Gomorrah is where you end up at if you don't investigate before you get there. How can we more likely make the right choice? That's the real question. First thing we can do is ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5 through 8. James said, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him that ask." Ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God to help you in making that decision and any other decisions. Seek advice from other people, Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 12, 15, The wise man also said, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Sometimes it's appropriate to discuss our alternatives with older, more mature Christians. Someone you respect, someone that you know has traveled along life's way and has stood the test of time and has held on to their faith. And we should consult the wisdom found in God's Word, especially in a book like Proverbs. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord's sake. Don't do it for your sake. Do it for the Lord's sake. Psalm 37, 5 and 6, and 23 to 26, David said, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. In James the fourth chapter, and verse 15, James said, when we're making plans, when we're looking ahead, we ought to be saying, 
if the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. If God wills it, the Lord willing, I'll see you the next time. What should we do when we realize we've made a wrong choice? Should we do what Lot did? To some, some degree, yes. He heeded the word of God. He fled Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, he did what was right without reservation. After his wife had turned and looked back, he knew he could not possibly turn and look back. And she didn't survive because she did. We also could look at Peter and we would want to do what Peter did after he denied Christ. After Jesus had foretold it, had prophesied it, and then within a few hours there, he's standing there denying one time, two times, three times. Peter repented. When we have something wrong in our life because of a choice, we can repent if there is sin involved in that choice. And we can resolve to serve the Lord. Repenting involves more than just saying, I'm going to quit doing this. It, it involves a resolve. We repent, we turn, we've got to change direction, and we make a resolve to do the right thing. We could do what Paul did after persecuting the church. Have you ever thought about all the people that he persecuted? He accepted the forgiveness that Jesus provided. We can learn to determine to live for the Lord the rest of our lives to the best of our ability. That's exactly what Paul did. The wrong thing to do is to continue in the choice because of pride or some other reason. Well, I'm going to keep doing this. It's what I've always done. No, we don't want to let pride get in the way. It can cost us eternity. There are, there are some choices you may have to live with just because of the choice you made and how it worked out. But that's not the case always. And so when you have the opportunity to fix it, so to speak, or to repent of it, do that. So as we think about the final thoughts, we have the example of Lot that should serve to teach us that making proper decisions is very important. But we also should get a warning not to make our choices lightly. We should remember Lot the next time we're faced with an important decision. We should seek to make that decision not based upon what I think, feel, or believe, but based upon the will of the Lord and and not my own will. Your eternal destiny and the, and, and the destiny of those that you love might rest upon your choice. Have you made the most important decision you will ever face? The decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If not, then why not today? Matthew 28, 19 and 20, before Jesus left his initial followers, he gave the great commission, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever, I've, whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So after he ascended into heaven, and a few days later, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Peter and the other eleven preached the first gospel sermon, and the people were touched in their heart. They were ready to do something. They said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Acts 2.37 Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Asking about it won't get you saved. Talking about it won't get you saved. Doing part of it won't get you saved. 
Are we earning our salvation? Absolutely not. But at some point, we have to call upon the name of the Lord and accept our salvation. And God has told us how in the pages of His Word. And we hope this morning that if you've never obeyed the gospel, you will consider the importance of that need and that choice. And that you, if you're not certain, will consult with someone who can help to advise you. Consult with God's Word and be prayerful about it. If you have need to respond to the invitation today uh, after listening to this tape, contact us by phone or by uh, email and we will be glad to assist you.